To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by PBNJoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to PBNJoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's PBNJoey.com for more information. PBNJoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Bored housewives, so they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like, you know, look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just ate. You're going to Thailand, you're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing really D. Too much. <laughs> That's what we're I going sound like for Bill Maher. Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed. But it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go yourself. Jay here, positivesarcasm.com. Sandbox. Please subscribe to the donate. Positivesarcasm.com. Slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. If you want to find me on the Instagrams or the Facebooks, you may certainly do so. If you want to find me on the TikToks, you're going to have a tough time. Uh, but Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. Uh, whatever. You'll find me either way. Um, Instagram at Positive underscore Sarcasm. You can hit me on <laughs> you can hit me up on YouTube. Uh, positive Sarcasm Concept Channel. Positive Sarcasm Podcast. Welcome. You're already here. And uh, Positive Sarcasm Reactions, just over 100 subscribers. Sweet! Um, you can uh, hit me up through my website, Positive Sarcasm, uh, contact section. Just fill out your information, send it over to me, and I'll get back to you. Uh, posing music, bodybuilders, all that other stuff. Uh, thank you to all the recent requests. Um, you can email me through there, anything. Just type in the subject matter, posing music, blah, 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 blah. Um, even if, you are, if it's on short notice, I'll help you out. Uh, that's what I do. I'm even offering a inflation discount, um, which is pretty awesome. So take that into consideration because gas prices are a little high and electric charging prices are a little high and uh, I don't control that. But I can take a little bit off the top to make your life a little bit easier if that helps. Uh, also, if you want to email me, just email me directly. Uh, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Uh, also, the first episode of uh, Pizza and Ketchup, the uh, move, uh, movie reaction re slash review slash debate podcast just went up. I was a guest, uh, probably a one-time guest, uh, uh, on that new podcast. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, I think that's available everywhere. So um, thank you to those. Once again, thank you to those guys. Uh, I think they just they were canning some epinodes and some epinodes. They're just canning some epinodes. And I think they just dropped their first one. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, in the meantime. Uh, some housekeeping news. Uh, yes, I am closing in on, uh, basically closing up shop here at, uh, New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast. Well, this side of it, at least. I'm moving from the south side of New Hampshire's seacoast to the north side of New Hampshire's seacoast. So, basically, if you were to drive from, I'm basically four minutes in. Basically, if you were to start at the border, be four minutes from the actual border of New Hampshire, uh, you would basically find me. And now I'm moving to uh, basically five to ten minutes the other side of the border. Um, but it's great because I'm going to be I'm moving from something that could potentially be hit with a nuclear weapon, which is the Seabrook nuclear power plant, which if that uh, hotel wasn't in the way, I could actually see the blinking lights and the mushroom cloud, to uh, the other side where there is a 
uh, Air Force Base and a uh, naval shipyard where they uh, sit nuclear submarines. So that's pretty awesome. But uh, I'll be moving over to there um, starting in May. And then it's going to be a little weird because I'm going to have some time where I'm going to be spending um, obviously some off time where I'm going to mostly I will probably be spending my time unpacking my stuff and then, um, you know, getting settled. And it's going to be in a temporary studio. And when I mean temporary, like, I'll probably only be there for, like, three weeks. So I'll try to get a few episodes in while I'm in that temporary studio uh, in that location. And then I'm going to be off for another week or two, another couple weeks. And then I'll be moving into a permanent uh, studio down on the uh, up by that area for the next year. And then that'll be that. And then this new studio will be up. And then we'll be back after it. I'm still finalizing some other details. But essentially, it is agreed upon. So, cool. Cool. You know, and I've seen rental prices and housing prices. And I still don't want, for the most part, really anything to do with it. Um, I'm not tacking on any more, uh, what do you call it, expenses at this time that I would really need to. And I get it. Right now, people are... And it's, it affects me. This affects everybody that is not part of the 0.001% or is not in Congress. I get it. You guys are going through a, a tough time, whether it's your heating bill, your electric bill, your, your fill, filling up for gas, your grocery bill. I get it. I hear you. I know it's there. It's the elephant in the room that you're going – that it's just another piece of the shit pie um, that you have to swallow every single day, whether it's social – media or it's uh social justice or now it's gas prices or electric charging prices or heating bills and we're still just coming out of winter just kind of at least over here um yeah i i want to at least address it because it is there we all see it i see it um my response to it is exactly what it was uh as planned Basically, I knew in November that, you know, things were going to get a little stupid, which is as I usually do. I stock up on uh, meats during Thanksgiving. I just um, – this is part one of my fight against inflation was basically uh, moving closer to where I needed to go. So I spend less money on fuel uh, and, of course, uh, stocking up on turkeys. And I am down to my second to last turkey, which um, – it's so my thing was – my problem with turkeys is I tend to have an eating disorder with them because as soon as they come out of the oven, the way I cook them, as I've stated before, is I pull the breastplate off so that I can flip the uh, turkey, the dark meat section, which includes the wings, the drumsticks, and then the back plate separately. I flip that over and I cook it so all the fat comes out. But then what I get at 350 to 375 degrees is a super crunchy, crispy, salty, tasty skin. And within five minutes of that turkey coming out of the out of the oven, all of that is gone because I just shoved it in my face. Just because I can't, it tastes, it's never gonna taste better. As far as the skin goes, it's never gonna taste better than the moment it comes out of the oven because it's crunchy, it's hot, it's it's not gelatiny. Because basically, when you cook it all like that upside down, all that extra fat that usually you know, pour that comes down from the top. It just sits there in that skin because it's super thick. Well, when you when you bake it in the oven upside down, it gets just thin and it gets crunchy, and you're able to just pull it off. Just just pull it off, and uh, yeah, it's all gone. And my dog has to just he just has to sit there and stare at me pathetically, like you're just gonna you're gonna you're gonna eat it all by yourself. Well, what about me? Well, obviously, since this meat is really good, it's nutritious, it's nutri it's nutrient dense. I just, I, it's he's so much easier to peel some of that off and give it to him. It's very well cooked. It's safe for him. He loves it. So he doesn't feel like he's ever being left out. And I have a rule. I have a rule with my, with my chase is that basically, um, any meal I have, as long as it's, uh, safe for him to eat, I save the last bite for him. That's just, that's a rule I have. Um, doesn't make him feel left out. You know, it's one of those foster dog type of things that, um, you know, you kind of have to pay attention to and, and entertain because those those first couple of years of a, of, a, of a canine's life where he's stuck in a shelter, those never go away. That issue never goes away. There'll always be that dependency or that nervousness or that fear or that aggression or that food dependency. Uh, you can, for the most part, you can make a lot of it go away, but that 
fear that a dog has or that fear being left alone, that never goes away. Never. But you can mitigate it with lots and lots of love and always giving them uh, a last bite of something or just, you know, proper training and things like that and letting them know that you're always coming home no matter what. So the turkey thing, yeah, I basically just, I, I attack that thing first chance I get and um, it, it's delicious. But I got, I, I'm just, I'm basically closing in. I got one more in the freezer. I don't know when I'm going to cook that. Most likely uh, within the next couple weeks and then that'll be that. But it's just so damn good. I've been mostly, I've just been eating like soup and salads, like a lot of a lot of Lipton soup, uh, the noodle ones, uh, the vegetable ones, which are awesome. And then there's the beef, the beefy onion ones, the beefy onion ones. And I've just been ripping those up like every morning and every night. And I just, it fills me up. And it's, I mean, I remember them as a kid. I absolutely love them. They're so good. And they're cheap. They're like, a, they're right now with the price of everything. They're just a dollar fifty come in two packs a piece you can throw like you know uh, either raw egg in there and it'll cook while it's well it'll cook while it's boiling or you can just throw a hard-boiled egg in there chop that up throw that in there some extra meat or some olive oil some leftover shredded carrots and you can just make a little soup out of it and it's fantastic it's cheap food and it's not it's not unnutrient it's not it's not it's very nutritious because you're getting soup you're getting something hot you're getting plenty of salts you're getting plenty of of other vegetables and additional things. It's, it doesn't break your budget. It's great. And then I pair that with salad, which is relatively inexpensive. I throw a little proteins on there. I'm getting my vegetables and I feel great. I feel great. Um, it's helped me keep my weight down. It's helped me keep my energy levels up. I don't feel stuffed, although I'm, and then I basically supplement with a little bit of fruit and I feel fine. But it's helping me keep my, um, cause I'm always thinking about my, my grocery costs or anything else I'm doing. As far as, especially in this situation where um, I do keep an eye on these things, but it's helped me just soup and salad every day, every day. And it's not just one meal. I'm obviously I'm having three or four of these meals, three or four of these meals then supplementing with additional fruits and then a protein shake as well. Probably like almond milk because it doesn't give me bubble guts. Um, almond milk with some uh, myprotein.com. I still have some of that chocolate left, so. That helps me just complete. If I'm really, really hungry, that gets me over the top and I'm basically stuffed fill for the day. Also to uh, fight against inflation, considering that uh, my Lincoln is a, uh, it's a beast on gas. Um, my Mustang sat untouched for three months. Just battery cables unplugged, covered up with three different tarps and untouched for three months. So December, I put it away uh, basically two weeks prior to December, just before Thanksgiving. So it sat then, it sat through the freezing temp, it, it sat through all December, it sat through freezing January and freezing February, and the first week of, uh, first and second week of March. And I just pulled the tarp off of it yesterday, gave it a good look once over, looked inside, in and out. Um, basically, it's a good idea if you're putting a car away in the wintertime, not a bad idea to lay down baking soda. So take out the carpets, vacuum it out, put baking soda on each area of the carpet, and then put some baking soda in like the center console or whatever, in a, like the box, just leave it in the box. So there's no moisture, no humidity sitting around in the car so it doesn't get all musty and smelly, uh, especially in convertibles. And just let that sit there so that, you know, your carpets don't get moldy and stuff. So you let that sit and then you vacuum all that out and then I popped the hood, I reconnected the battery cables, tightened it up, and I got in the car. And I'm like, I'm expecting like the battery to be dead from like basically almost four months of sitting, not doing anything, just sitting there unplugged. And I just, I turned the key and the car just went, <sighs> and I felt it smile. And it just, like, like it never, like it never went to sleep. And it just rumbled. And, oh, that first, to me, it's the same thing as when you take that turkey out of the oven. It just, you have to, you can't just let it sit there. You, you have to let it sit for like, you know, 15 minutes to let, if there's any humidity or any moisture that's sitting in the engine, it's a cold engine, let that bad boy warm up. Let that bad boy warm up. And I just let it idle and I sat there and I just, just kind of looked at it like a child. And you think, and when, the funny thing is, is that car requires uh, cheaper fuel than the Lincoln does. 
So and I'm technic and I'm so I'm technically going. I'm gonna be paying less in gas, which is awesome. But the way I drive it uh, can be a little aggressive at times, so that may be compensated. The but just sitting there like a little child, just smiling ear to ear as I'm looking it up and down. And I just got the new Adams. Uh, if you're looking to get a really good uh, like polishing and cleaning items for a car, clay bar, wax, uh, uh, ceramics, uh, you know, sh shine polishes, Adams polishes is probably the site to go to. For me, it's the best. It's the best cleaning uh, products I've ever used on a car, ever. Per like physically by myself not paying somebody else to do it it's the best i love it um is it expensive yeah it can be but believe me the difference is night and day and it's not hard to apply either um the just sitting there looking at it i'm just i'm so excited and it was it was sunny out yesterday it was nice enough out where after it was warmed up and everything was dry and i put in these 200 dollar uh headlight bulbs that actually didn't do really much really that weren't that much brighter than silver star ultras so i'm like great now what do i do um i got in the car i grabbed chase i threw him in the in this passenger seat and we just went for a little drive on the seacoast and just that feeling of you know with everything going on a lot of it just kind of went away you just stopped thinking about it um it is a bit of a stiff transmission. Like I'm trying to put it in reverse. And I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with the transmission? Um, but once I, 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 once I got it to shift into first and then brought it back and put it into reverse, shift into first and then pulled back, got it into reverse, it was no different. And I just slowly drifted out into traffic and just took off. And it felt so, so good. So, so good. Um, so that is now that I'm looking forward to uh, – the rest of this spring and this summer, um, provided we're we're uh, we're not all glowing green. So it's been awesome, and I don't care if gas is seven dollars a gallon. I don't care if it goes that high. I'm still gonna be driving True Blue. Don't give a shit. I won't. That's a way of life for me. And throughout this past uh, year and a half, I have been pushed to my principles to the near brink of mandate. And I'm not, I haven't really backed down. I've stood true to my values, uh, almost to the point of moving to Fort Lauderdale, which is still an option for me, but I'm going to ride out the rest of this year to see where my option, to see where everything kind of lays out. But I am going to continue living on New Hampshire's beautiful seacoast and seeing where things lie. Uh, and I'm still coming out uh not really uh, scathed in any way. I, I feel pretty good about it. You know, um, still getting the chance to live on the seacoast, still having two cars, um, still not in debt, still having, uh, you know, my best friend with me. It's a great feeling, but just getting in that car, man. And people aren't necessarily giving these things up. These Mustangs now, people are buying. I just saw a, um, a brand new Shelby Cobra. I think it was a Super Snake. Uh, just parked on the, over in Northampton the other day, just sitting there idling. I was like, I saw the new plates. I'm like, ah, somebody's now in the game. It's great. It's awesome. But these cars are not easy. If you want to get a GT, the cheapest you're going to get one for uh, of the of the body styles for 05 and up is 20 grand. You want an earlier model for that, then it's probably going to be 12. You're going to be spending 12. So my car is doubled in value, but I don't give a shit if it's gone down 50% in value. I'm not selling the thing. I love that car. It's, it's just such my, it's so my identity. Um, so I'm, I, that was a good, that was a good end to this week. Um, really just getting in that thing, taking it for a stroll. And it was like, I never got out of it completely awesome. Um, what was a bummer was I know that there was a study that is probably going to be combated, uh, going to be battled about as far as misinformation or people are going to, are not informed because Information is so minute to minute nowadays. It was the ivermectin study, and the ivermectin study, um, it originally bef um, was said to have caused a 30% decrease. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, like a roughly a 30% decrease. And this is on extremely low dosage. 30% uh, uh, decrease in um, getting infected. 30% decrease in being hospitalized, and a 30% decrease in mortality. 
which is incredible. That's incredible. But um, there was several experts and doctors that were combating this study, saying that uh, it was using data that was invalid. And ultimately, the study, which was supposedly it claimed to have been peer-reviewed and peer-approved and blah, 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 and quite properly published, was apparently, I think at this point, withdrawn. We have yet, to, I haven't, I mean, there was a rebuttal to it, and then it was apparently withdrawn. I have yet to hear the rebuttal to the study, but apparently the, the study, uh, which was peer-reviewed and published and all that stuff, was withdrawn. So now we don't, now once again, and here's the thing. When they do a study on something like this, a, a, a medicine or a supplement that uh, is not owned by anybody, like, for example, ivermectin is not owned by any pharmaceutical companies. Therefore, it has a generic patent, which means anybody can make it. It's made for for pennies on the dollar. So there's no reason for a pharmaceutical company to pay to do a study on it because they're not making money on it. So these studies have to be done via uh, clinicians. So like a hospital or a privately funded organization or a team of privately funded clinicians have to go and create the study. And the studies can take time because you have to go through thousands of patients and you have to compare thousands of data, placebo controlled studies and other things of that nature. And they have to put this all together. And then once the conclusion is taken, I mean, and remember during studies like this, people die because we're talking about a, a thing that has, you know, a lot of people die because of it, not because of ivermectin, I'm saying because of COVID. But you have to understand that in that process of the studies happening, you know, some people didn't get this dosage and maybe they could have lived from it, from it. I don't know. Because of it, I don't know. But now we have a study that was not, it was not farm, you know, it was not done by the pharmaceutical companies. It was supposedly clinician funded, supposedly, or yeah, clinician provided, but now it's been withdrawn. Now, now we have basically no actual study that I know to the best of my knowledge that actually validates ivermectin as a drug that is can be used to combat COVID in any capacity, no matter the variant. Now, does that mean it doesn't work? I'm not arguing against it. I'm just saying, like, it's really frustrating to... It's really frustrating to know or at least believe that there may be uh, medicines out there or supplements that could really help you fight certain infections or certain viruses or certain bacteria, but that you'll possibly never know the answer to the question. You'll never get the actual facts. And probably because, probably because there are people out there that don't want you to know the answer, that are restrictive to it, that are, are pushing down the truth because of, of money, because of control. Because if I think the Emergency Use Act, if you have these, if you have all this other stuff um, that says it can treat or prevent these illnesses, well, then you can't get the emergency use authorization to go in to use these vaccines or other pharmaceutical medication medications. It's so it's this giant political mess where we're just trying to help people. We're just like, hey, you're sick. Well, what's the best course of action that you can take to, to make yourself healthier? What's the best course of action for you to take and for us to take that we can give you medicines or supplements or surgical treatment that'll make you better? Here's all the things that are out there. We can give them to you and we can lead you back to a path of healthy living. But no, we can't do that due to political pressure. We can't do that due to social pressure. And therefore, you can't have uh, you can't have ivermectin because there's no studies on it. Therefore, we can't approve it. And even if there were studies, they were quickly withdrawn for whatever reasons. You can't have these monoclonal antibodies because in some states they're not even allowed because of for whatever reason, even though they've been proven to work on certain variants for sure. You can't uh, you can't have these. Uh, what's the other one? Hydroxychloroquine. When you pair it with another supplement, it apparently works very well according to certain studies. It's and that's been doctor specifically prescribed, but then that was taken away as well. So all you were left with was was with was this remdesivir, which 
didn't really have a great track record to begin with, and people were given it when they were sent to the ER when they could have been given something else prior to having to be admitted to the ER or to, to, you know, basically for critical condition cases of COVID. And they're just given this, and they're put on an oxygen tank, and then they fucking die. When the fact is, is if we had these other things at our disposal, whether or not they worked, if we had these things and we threw the kitchen sink at it, with all these other supplements, there's a really good chance, a better than normal chance, if you just would have went with this shit, that they would have survived. Regardless of whether they were vaccinated or not, whether they had comorbidities or not. The idea that we had this stuff at our disposal that was safe and that was safe to use, that had almost no side effects, that have ever been proven, that have ever been uh, exposed, shit was right there. And because for so whatever political reasons, they didn't have access to this stuff. And then and for that reason, if it could have helped them, it could have saved their life. So someone you may have known or someone you know may have died because, uh, not because of this disease, of this virus, but because, on, well, on top of that, there was these other medications out there that very well could have saved their life, but they couldn't have them. They weren't allowed to. The doctor wasn't either allowed to prescribe them. The hospital wasn't allowed to give them out. They weren't available in that city. They weren't available in that state. It's just, you want people to be healthy. You want people to get healthy. You don't want people to die. There's only a couple people on my wish I, I wish death upon list. But for the most part, if, if I mean, if you want to be a fat ass and eat potato chips all day and you die of COVID, it's your right to do so. But you should also have access to these other medications. You really should. It, if they've never, if they've never been proven or if they've been proven to be safe, at the worst case scenario, safe for use in many, many different types of dosages. Why not have access to them? Why not allow a doctor, a doctor who spends fucking six to 12 years in medical school to at least have a clue to learn about these things? Hey, here's a slew of things that might work. Try them out. A doctor will happily prescribe you fucking painkillers and uh, you know stuff for your clinical depression. So why not this shit? Why not something that is less aggressive than Tylenol to get into your system and maybe work? And if it, you have if an extra 30% chance of not going on a ventilator, which was essentially a death sentence, especially in New York, then why not have, throw a shot at it? Or... If it's something that's pennies on the dollar, why not distribute that nationally? Be like, have it available. If people are concerned, I mean, you made masks widely available eventually when you initially told us not to wear them because they don't work, which apparently according to um, the recent studies, the only ones that do work are those KN95s. The rest of them are dog shit, apparently. Um, but you made masks widely available. Why? And those aren't cheap those aren't cheap either i mean they do cost money but those are cheap to make but they do cost money full right did i have that right i'll rephrase it yeah you made masks widely available okay why didn't you make these other medications which were apparently which are cheap super super cheap to make why didn't you make those widely available as well why not if it if there is, if there is a, any possibility, 10%, 20%, 30% possibility in reduction in contracting it or getting sick, truly sick from it, why not? But no, people have agendas and people died or got severely sick or are suffering, still suffering because of it. It's extremely frustrating. It's actually far more, it's way more than just frustrating. It's downright, it's, it pisses me off that we allow this. We as people, we allow to be fucking told we can't do this and we can't do that. Because you just made the, you just made people who are immunocompromised 
um, or uh, nervous to go back. I mean, it's like, oh, you had nothing at your discretion. You you just you can take this and you can wear that. That's your only option. These things, nope, they're bad, terrible. They're only you know they're about as they're about as fucking uh, effective as Neko wafers. Funny thing is, these things are cheaper than Neko wafers. And yet you're not, it's, this is one thing that, this this does actually make me consider the idea of like universal healthcare. Although I don't like people just being like, ow, I scratched my arm, I should go to the doctors. It's like that, I get that. People are doing that anyways because the, uh, the eruption in the amount of urgent cares that are being built across the gro- a globe right now, the amount of urgent cares that people are just like, ah, just go to urgent care. Ah, just go to urgent care. For what? You fucking, you bent your nail. Fucking, you know, tie it off. But the, but I get it. People should have at least the right to cheap healthcare. That I definitely agree with. The problem is we spend so much goddamn money on the, on, you know, sending missiles across the world into wars that we don't even need to be in. That money that builds billions and billions of dollars. I mean, they could be spent working on our actual infrastructure. Actually making people healthier. Of, uh, allowing people to have the option of having a new, a, a real nutritionist. A nutritionist and a family physician who doesn't have to sign on with a large hospital so you don't have to deal with their booking and their billing and their political bullshit where they can afford to have their own private practice and you having access to them much easier. That supply and demand thing. But instead, you turn that doctor into a fucking bomb that you send across the country to a country that most people, halfway across the world, to a country that most people have never even fucking heard of. So you can absolutely make the argument where it should be allocated to these things that maybe, maybe everybody should have. I don't know. Or at least have a, a re- access to a cheap version of it or a cheap or cost-effective version of it. But not something you'd mandate on people, but something they could have access to. But instead, you turn it into weapons and you send it across the globe. Okay, great. Well, if that's how we're going to conduct things, peace them out. But I, I like, I want to hear the argument, but it's like, you can't do two things at once. Do you want to bomb other countries or do you want to give, give people health care? Let's fucking put the two together. Let's figure it out. Which one makes more sense? Do we want to have a war in Yemen or do we want to give people nutritionists, access to healthy nutritionists, access to healthy physicians, uh, uh, access, excuse me, access to family physicians, access to endocrinologists, access to uh, every, all kinds of other things that help them manage their blood sugar, their heart palpitations, their kids' fucking edema or whatever. I don't know. Make shit up. Okay? Do we want to do which which way are we go in here? What wars do we want to fight? You let me know which wars we don't want to fight and then maybe we can bring those funds over here and we could do some shit. Maybe we could fix Baltimore. Maybe we could build uh, some state hospitals. Maybe we can uh, I don't know do anything other than the shit we're doing with it. Because we're not solving any problems here. We would like to. It's quite frustrating to know that. I'm glad I have a fo- I'm glad I have a format here that I can just kind of belch my ideas off of uh, out there. I don't care who's fucking listening. It's out there and it's therapeutic for me and it helps me learn. But it's extremely frustrating that people are not getting taken care of here. Um, because even though there uh, there's no excuses for the vast majority of the population. It's still, it's like one of those things as a first world nation that we should be capable of accomplishing at this point, right? Instead of blaming everybody else. It's one of those things that, hey, you know, we can have, we're pretty good. We know how to do things here. We should be able to build nice houses and have nice bridges and have front yards and backyards and should be able to, you know, not only hunt for our food, but 
go to the grocery store and pick it out of a shelf just in case. We should have access to all kinds of cars that are, are powered by all different types of things. You know, we have electricity here and we've got gas here and maybe we'll have uh, hydrogen here, which the, the uh, uh, I think Honda's working on. Um, we, it, you want, you don't, you want to save, maybe you can get a motorcycle or uh, you could take the bus. I mean, we should have access to these things and it shouldn't be a fucking nightmare every time you go to fill up your car or charge your car that you literally have to take out another mortgage on your house just to get to fucking work. It's a terrible way to, lit, to, to, to drive a society. It's a great way to crash one. And I think that's the direction we're heading in. But I'm just, you know, I'm just sort of venting at this point. You know, it started out pretty awesome. Um, basically looking forward to you know, I mean, I have delicious food. I've got a d delicious car outside. And I'm getting ready for that mode. But this is my one moment, my one time uh, uh, of the week to really just put it out there. Like, there's a lot of things we can fix. All right. And we're not doing any of it. We're not doing any of it. We're not fixing anything. Nothing. We are destroying everything that's great about this country. And everything that was wrong about this country, all we're doing is making it worse. All of it. And I don't know if it's this. I, look, you can blame the citizens. You can blame the politicians. You can blame the school boards. You can blame the mayors. You can blame the president. You can blame, at the end of the day, we are all responsible. We're all responsible. You can blame YouTube for censorship. You can blame Instagram for censorship. At the end of the day, we're all responsible. You want to keep blaming fucking Alex Jones or Donald Trump or Cuomo? Go right ahead. Be my guest. Go right ahead. But you can't blame them for everything. There's some shit that you should be able to take care of for yourself. There should. There should got to be something. Anything. Does it always have to be macaroni and cheese and pronouns all fucking day? Really? Does everything have to be 90 seconds in a microwave and instant outrage on Twitter? It doesn't have to be like that. So when I take the time to bake a turkey, when I take the time to walk my dog, when I take the time to work out, when I take the time to get my, you know, to get car, cover my car, get it ready for the year, or take the time to edit a video, or take the time to edit a pie, when I take the time to do anything, it's just shaping me to be a better person, really. The art of, and there's an, sort of an art of simplicity to it, this effort that I put forward. It doesn't make me better than you. It doesn't make me, uh, it doesn't make you inferior. It's just, I'm just showing you examples of why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you cheaping out? When you're not really cheaping out. It all comes at a cost. You may, you know, uh, have a just a giant ramen noodle budget but that does come at a cost at the at, at the end of the day at the end of the day it really does but there are it is cost efficient i always said i would rather spend my money on groceries than health insurance deductibles i still take i still stay true to that i still believe in that theory and it's worked out for me so far but i i wish we would uh, I guess to kind of close out this rant, embrace the art of simplicity because simplicity is hard work because you work really hard to get to a desk to a, a, a simplistic destination. And it, there's something beautiful about that, uh, that effort at the end of the day where you work really hard you put a lot of effort into something and it comes out with this simplistic joy. It's not complicated. To me, simplicity has always been way harder than things that are complicated. It, it just, I don't know, it feels that way. I'm not really sure how to word it at this time, but complicated uh, seems like it's more expensive where simplicity seems like it's harder. I don't know, I don't know if that, I don't know. It's, a, it's an idea I'm trying to work through. I always felt like simplicity, the sim having a simple life with simple goals always felt much harder to me. I always felt like that thing you wanted, like that little house on a little piece of property um, with the dog and the white picket fence. It always, sat, it always felt so hard because it, you, it felt like 
to get those th- get those things, you had to go to a job where you hated your life and you sold your soul and you hated your fucking coworkers and you were never allowed time to work on your dreams. Only to come home to all those things that you really wanted, but hating yourself from the moment you walked through the door. Whereas if you wanted to follow your dreams and maybe work somewhere you liked or start a business that you really appreciated, you never had the ch- you'll never get the chance again to have those things. Because maybe somebody sues you or maybe you're not going to make enough money at it or maybe you're not going to the prices are going to be too high where these things that you wanted are just unachievable. Like you could have bought a, a nice little house uh, by the seacoast uh, three years ago for a couple hundred grand. And you could live down here by the ocean and eat ice cream and uh, go to the beach and just have a nice, simple life. You want to do that now? 500 grand. Period. Like, period. You want to live in Northampton? Half a million dollars. You want to live in Portsmouth? Double that. That doesn't include taxes. And, And it makes people want to fucking give up. It really does. There's an article here, actually, by my associate producer, um, dropped on me uh, a couple days ago, about people no longer believing that hard, working hard will lead to a better life. This is a survey, so we'll dive into it and see what fruit it bears. So, uh, by the way, this is by what am I doing here? There we go. This is by AutoHub. So, I may have this. I, sorry, I got a new computer in front of me. I got, I got, excuse me. I got another computer, not a new computer. I have another. I haven't bought a new computer in fucking seven years, and that computer that I bought no longer works. Um, I'm just. I switched over to a different computer because I found the format was working a little better for everything I was doing. Um, but so we'll see how this works out. So people no longer believing working hard will lead to a better life. So it's a growing sense of inequality. I'm not sure where they're going with that, but it's undermining trust in both society's institutions and capitalism, according to a long-running global survey. So the 2020 Edelman Trust Barometer, which I believe uh, consumer sentiment is also a thing that drives stock market prices up or down, and it is factored in. So uh, and it's this uh, Edelman Trust Barometer, now in its 20th year, it looks on the screen. It looks pretty good. Uh, has found many people no longer believe working hard will give them a better life. Despite strong economic performance, a majority of respondents in every developed market do not believe they will be better off in five years' time. Okay. Uh, this means the economic growth no longer appears to drive trust, at least in developed markets, upending the conventional wisdom. Quote, we are living in a trust paradox. Richard Edelman, CEO of Edelman. Since we began measuring trust 20 years ago, economic growth has fostered rising trust. This continues in Asia and Middle East, but not in developed markets, where national income inequality is now the more important factor. Fears are stifling hope, and long-held assumptions that about hard work leading to upward mobility are now invalid. Growing trust chasm, trust chasm between elites and the public. Not the 1%, the elites. To me, there's a difference between the 1% and the elites. There's a difference between power and money, even though, or power control and money. It, it really does depend. Okay. Um, Jeff Bezos can influence politicians, but politicians are, at the end of the day, they're the ones who push the buttons. They're the ones who take the backdoor, the backdoor bribes and create legislation and move the stock market in a, in a direction that have basically fucks the consumer. 56% of the survey global population said capitalism in its current form, which is crony capitalism, so it's actually not capitalism, it's cronyism, said in its current form does not harm does does more harm than good in the world. Most employees, about 83%, globally are worried about job loss due to automation, valid, a looming recession here, a lack of training, okay? Cheaper foreign competition, immigration, and the gig economy. Well, the gig economy, I don't have a problem with. The gig economy is actually, basically, um, the gig economy is the American dream. The gig economy is how we got here. A side gig is everything. A side gig is everything. A side gig is what gets you that Mustang. A side gig is what gets you that fucking, uh, that vacation in Florida. A side gig is that. The side gig is everything. 
So Americans should strive for that side gig. They really should because the side gig is also therapeutic. But let me continue on with the article. Um, 57% of respondents worry about losing the respect and dignity they once enjoyed in their country. Nearly two in three feel the pace. Nearly two in three feel the pace of technology change is too fast. Australia recorded one of the largest declines of trust in technology. The problem is a lot of people in the, in, in the United States especially don't really understand technology in its simplistic form where they can use old technology in their favor, which makes technology cheaper and more efficient for them. But I digress. Let's move on. Um, Australians were most worried about losing their job to the gig economy. Well, that's because your fucking government doesn't let you out of the house. Followed by recessions, lack of training, and foreign competitors. The study also found a growing trust chasm between elites, which I just talked about, and the public that could be a reflection of income inequality, Edelman said. I don't know, but we'll keep going. We now observe an Alice in Wonderland moment of elite buoyancy and mass despair. While 65% of the worldwide informed public, ages 25 to 65, university educated in the top 25% of household income, said they trust their institutions, so 65% said they do, only 51% of the mass public, everyone else, representing 83% of the total global population, said the same. So it's, okay, so it's almost half. Well, it's more than, just more than half. The result is a world of two different trust realities. So people that, um, age 25 to 65 who went to a university are in the top 25 percent of household income so basically people who went to college and have been indoctrinated and go into these and go into these careers where they are the corporate guy and they say all the corporate shit and they have fucking pronouns in their email bio those people will fucking suck the corporate dick and say yeah we believe that uh you know everything's great and this is the way and we're going to progress and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get those people. I used to work for them. They fucking suck. The rest of us of people who, you know, are blue collar or have uh, run our own businesses or have side gigs or are trying to figure out how to hustle or believed that college was a complete waste of time, which it is, have a different opinion. At least half of us do. The result is a world of two different trust realities. The report says the informed public wealthier more educated and frequent consumer of news remain far more trusting of every institution in the mass population frequent consumers of news frequent consumers of mainstream media news that can be your local news because your local news is also an affiliate of these larger new uh larger like you know you have 20 boston 25 that's fox 25 okay or cbs local that's cbs they're mainstream. They get their news. It's all the same shit. It's one big conglomerate. It's just brought down to a more local level. Uh, the informed public, wealthier, more educated, and frequent consumers of news remain far more trusting of every institution than the mass population. In the majority of markets, less than half of the mass population trust their institution to do what is right. There are now a record eight markets showing all-time uh, high gaps between the two audiences, an alarming trust inequality. Trust levels among the informed public in Australia were at 68%. I don't know why they're doing Australia all this whole freaking time. Fire higher than the 45% recorded among the mass population. Okay. So let's take a look here. We have automation. All right. So what things are going to be automated? Well, most likely a lot of transportation will be automated, probably in major cities or in trans uh, logistical stuff. Maybe it's drones, maybe it's UPS trucks with robots. I don't know. So some of that, or in the workplace, which is understandable because you want to you want to reduce workplace injuries because that's a liability and blah blah blah. That is one thing. Understandable, but remember, automation requires uh, monitoring. It still requires jobs. When you try to create automation, you are creating a new market in which to employ people. It's just how it works. Okay. At the end of the day, we still cut wood. We still type up computers. We still do a lot of things in the workplace. There are some things that have been, um, have gone by the wayside, but even with automation, there is still, the question is how much automation are we talking about? Are we talking about a tidal wave of automation? If that is the case, 
please. I know that Andrew Yang has talked about it. I know that it is one of those things that is that, 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 like I said, that tsunami of automation that may be upon us sooner rather than later. It might be that magic quantum breakthrough that basically tells us, hey, we don't need to work anymore, which may be a blessing. It also may be a curse. I'm not sure. But automation generally, whenever we automate something, it's always led to more jobs or different jobs or a new uh, branch of the economy which leads to new opportunity, which leads to more jobs in some way, shape or form. Okay. We're not who we are. We're not who we used to be back in the 1900. Okay. We're different now. We got a lot more technology, but there's plenty of jobs to be had as of right now. There's ton. A lot of, one of the reasons is a lot of people just don't want to work. Blame. We've talked about that in the past in this podcast, but a lot of people don't want to work. Okay. There are, are businesses, large and small, shutting down or reducing their hours because people don't want to work there? Whether it's because of minimum wage or nihilism, whatever it is, this is it's just a thing that exists that is causing this to happen. That's just truth. That is just the truth. Remove all the agenda-based stuff aside. It's They're reducing their hours because of this and that, and there you go. Now, as far as a looming recession, it's here. The looming recession because of in, because of crazy inflation that could have been prevented, stagflation, which what the fuck do you expect? If you can't afford it, you can't buy it. Therefore, it sits on the shelf. And the fact you have, do you still have a supply chain issue? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Is it transitory? Maybe. Most likely transitory, yeah. But the fact is, is we still don't have shit. You can order certain products on... Um, online you won't see them for six to eight months and remember people are working at 100 of capacity 100 booked whether it's farms or technology firms or manufacturing they're 100 booked meat processing plants 100 booked out they have contracts they're just going to keep pumping out shit but it's going to take a long time for that shit to bring the cost down because in order for the cost to come down the supply has to meet the demand that's it you could buy a Lincoln Town Car from like 1997 for like a few grand three years ago. Now it's eight. Now it's nine. A really nice one, 12. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. You think fucking petrol's gonna go away? Get the fuck out of here. You kidding me? Try buying a brand new Tesla. Try buying a pre-owned Tesla. Or try buying, find, try even finding a Prius or a Nissan Leaf. You're not happening. Or even a Chevy Volt. They've gone up in two. They've got a price of two. And try charging it. That's going to cost you money as well. Which fucking energy's got to come from somewhere. Lack of training. Well, there's a lot of entry-level jobs out there. So there's plenty of them. I'm not sure the lack of training thing. There's always... I mean, I don't know... Somebody else would have to rip that apart and explain that to me. The cheaper foreign competition... Well, it's not coming from Russia. That's for damn sure. The only thing that's coming from Russia in this situation is supply chain issues. Um... Cheaper form of cheaper competition. Well, when it comes to making clothes, you can get clothes anywhere. They come from Bangladesh, Vietnam, El Salvador. You can get clothes from anywhere. However, there are there are clothes a lot more companies, smaller companies that are basically starting to make clothes in the United States right now, because there is a quality issue. And when you buy from the USA, you're going to get more quality. That is pretty much a fact. Um, so the foreign competition thing. Well, yeah, I agree. Here's the thing. The foreign competition thing, we should be supplying a lot of these things in the United States. We should be warehousing it here. We should be producing it here if we can. If we have the resources to do it here, we should absolutely be doing it. So I don't know. The foreign competition thing, like I said, that is an elite thing that is being done. For First of all, it's not cheaper anymore. It used to be cheap because there was no wars. There was no COVID. There was no supply chain issues. It was basically, I'm going to send these people to the Philippines because they're, I'm going to send this job or this task to the Philippines because it's cheaper to do so. Now it's like, okay, if I'm having, if I'm having stuff built in the Philippines, how quickly can I get it here? And is it cheaper now to get it from there than it is just to build it here? Because if it isn't, we'll bring it back here and it'll probably be a better job. It'll probably be a better product or a better service instead of having it done there. No disrespect to the Filipino people. I'm just naming our country that we've uh, outsourced to. Immigration, absolutely an issue. 
absolutely an issue on in on both aspects whether too much too little that's a hot button topic but yeah one worth discussing but the gig economy thing i completely disagree with the gig economy thing um i understand people have rights to like health care and overtime and benefits and blah 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 but i'm talking about the gig economy the gig economy is basically what made this country people hustling their fucking asses off whether it's a paper route or delivering pizzas on the weekend um or you know doing uber or doing um anything carving you know carving statues as a side hustle to make a little extra money because it's their passion or making posing music for bodybuilders that's me you know or make or making wedding videos or making content in general or just doing anything to chase a passion that also helps you make money or just doing it because you need the extra cash like you know being the cashier at a grocery store for a day or two during the weekend on a saturday and sunday or cleaning cars anything the gig economy is what gets people to the next level so i don't have a problem with this gig economy thing i don't know what what else it could possibly be, be referring to is basically a side hustle that allows you to make extra cash so that you could go and do more shit I don't have a problem with that. But as far as like you going to, into the corporate office and having to deal with that garbage or spending $35,000 a year or excuse me, a semester to go into a market that doesn't really appreciate your your degree because in all reality, your degree is most likely dog shit as well. So I get it. That's probably useless, but you're going to have to fucking swallow that $100,000 in, in student loan debt because you made the mistake of actually thinking that college was a good idea. Unless you're maybe going to be a doctor or a lawyer because you can go to medical school or you can go to uh, 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 you know, law school. You can go to these specified schools to do these exact things that are going to make you a lot of money. But if you're going to be, uh, you know, and if you're going to go for a liberal arts degree or a sociology, a sociology degree, you're basically, you just want to be a professor at a college. So basically you're going to have no world experience. You're going to go to college to go back to college, which makes you essentially useless, which makes me, which, which means your opinion has no value. Your opinion is allowed because it's America, but your opinion's useless. At least it is to me. So I think in total, yeah, I do have a trust. I, 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 me personally, yes, I do have a trust issue as well. It is not with the 1%. I have no problem with a person who has a $3 million house in fucking the Hamptons. Or a celebrity that wants to pay a bajillion dollars in taxes and live in Hollywood Hills. I, Or an oil baron in Texas. Not my problem. They did their thing. They made their money. Cool. Now, can some of them influence, you know, policy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But my main problem is with the uh, is with the elites, the ones who are using their uh, capitalistic power, their capitalistic uh, gains to manipulate policy, to push their ideals, their, um, what would you call it? Compa they're just their ideals in general on me through policy, through business reform. I still want to go through my day as I normally do. Um, it's forced me to leave jobs before. It's forced me to take pay cuts before. It's not a lifestyle I choose to live. But I, as far as the true elites, that's all That's all political. Those elites. You know, that's where I truly have zero trust. And it shifts. It definitely goes back and forth between this side and that side. But as a whole... I don't trust them. I don't. That's where my trust chasm lies. Because they're all, they're not just liars. They're fucking criminals. They're criminals. They're flat out criminals. Like they should be in jail for the shit that they've done, for the way they fucked the American people out of billions of dollars. As a whole, the amount of money that they take and they use for their own gain is criminal. Absolute criminal. And I'm just saying this in a generic conspiratorial whole that they don't care about us. They only care about themselves and getting more money and more power and more control 
and as a whole, we don't trust them. And that basically bleeds down from the elites down to the 1%. And because the elites, the political spectrum, blames everything on the capitalistic folk, it makes us divert our attention from those assholes up on the hill to the assholes who own the factories, who own the shipping docks, who own Tesla, who own fucking uh, Amazon, who own Apple. At the, at, you know, they're not necessarily to blame here. They're just doing their thing, making money. Now, there are some of them that definitely do some stupid shit. Don't get me wrong. That are super hypocritical in everything that they do. But it, you're, they're just trying to distract you. It all comes from one spot. Now, if we were more self-responsible, that's one thing. We could absolutely solve a lot of problems, solve problems by being responsible for our own lives. Way more responsible. Instead of just grubhubbing, basically. Having a grubhub type of lifestyle. We just hit an app on the button. We're telling Alexa to fucking order your food. And then some fucking dork shows up 20 minutes later with your chicken wings. But that that self-responsibility, that self-reliance is being taken away by these political elites. And that has to stop. It has to. And I don't know. My problem is I don't know how to fix it. I don't. It's like, oh, get out there and vote. I've heard it. I've heard it. But at the end of the day, if I'm voting this way now, if I decide to actually go out there and vote this way, am I actually going to solve the problem? Because I am also nihilistic as well in a lot of these scenarios. The question is, how long is my simplistic lifestyle actually going to last? How long can I actually maintain this motivation, this rhythm, this movement, momentum? That's the word I'm looking for. You know, and I do, I not only, I find it frustrating for myself knowing where the problems lie, but for others that are suffering more than I am in this situation due to all this stuff. Like I just found out a friend of mine, this girl I know, uh, her son, uh, just got a, uh, they found something on, on his bone, some type of cyst or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, you know, first of all, as a mother, that's a terrible, terrible thing to be like, oh, now your child may have something that's severely life-threatening. But on top of that, on top of that, the idea of now I have to drive back and forth, schedule appointments, pay deductibles, go see a specialist, get x-rays. And it's like, now not only do you as a mother have to worry about, um, the, the 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 health of your of your child the thing you love the most you know i've known some mothers that just use their child as a, a means of gaining money and control but <laughs> let's not go down that road but the idea of something you love so much and that is where your worry should go but then you got to deal with this other situation where how the fuck am i going to pay for this cuz i got to get on the phone with the insurance company and argue with them for 2 hours and then I got to schedule these appointments and see if this doctor's available, which most likely they're not. And scheduling three or four months from now with this specialist whose schedule is full, while this situation may progressively get worse. Or because you have to schedule something immediately, it may not be covered by the insurance because you booked it wrong. Because some fucking idiot at, at, the, at, the, at the customer service desk didn't fill in some, some, some forms out properly. And now you got to do that and it's... These are true realities. And that's the people who I know that how bad my situation was the past couple of years, how crazy it got, that there are people having struggles right now where it's like, oh shit, I wouldn't want to be in that position. As much as they wouldn't want to be in my position, I wouldn't want to be in theirs. Whether it's equal or worse, it's like, man, that sucks. That really does. So... But these things could, we could, as as the elites, as the 1%, as white collar, as blue collar, as a nation, we could be doing a lot more to soften the blow or lessen the blow of that anguish that that person's going through with 
things that we could be doing or implementing. But I know every time the government touches something, they just make it far worse. That's all they do is make shit worse. I hope we come to some conclusions or some solutions very, very soon because everything is getting worse. You know, it's one thing I want to be driving in my convertible with my pupper during, you know, on a Sunday, going to the doggy park, enjoying a great time. I don't want to be doing this with $72 a gallon and the world being on fire because that's not the scenery I'm hoping to look at while I'm cruising in my Stang. That's not the kind of world I want to live in. It's, kind of, it's not the kind of world I want to be a part of. So on that on that dim note, uh, we are in at just over an hour. I want to thank you guys for listening and watching and subscribing. Um, I'm going to have some more stuff next week, obviously. Uh, some things I didn't get to, but I'll, uh, I'll hopefully try to take root on that next week. Um, if you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, you can email me directly, positivesarcasm at outlook.com. You can also hit me up through my e, uh, through my, my website, positivesarcasm.com. Just click on the contact section there. Um, question, concerns, uh, posing music for bodybuilders, movie reviews, um, requests. You just go ahead and contact me through my website. Go ahead and look at the stuff there. Article archives, that's all there. Um, if you want to support the podcast, you want to support anything PS, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. Check out my other channels, Positive Sarcasm, uh, and of course, Positive Sarcasm Reactions if you're into that whole music reaction type of thing. Um, so thank you very much. I think we're done here. Ah, we're done here. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing, and I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Sandbox. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.